Welcome to the Inspire CIO Leadership Unscripted Podcast. I'm your host, Evan McLaughlin. You know, there's no textbook for how to be a great CIO. Technology moves too fast and every organization is different. The best investment you can make in your career is joining a peer leadership network to collaborate with other CIOs from diverse industries facing similar challenges. Inspire CIO brings together leading chief information officers in major cities across the U.S. to share ideas and best practices, avoid pitfalls, build community, and recognize leadership excellence through local CIO of the Year Orbi Awards. Leadership Unscripted is where Inspire CIO members connect, refresh relationships, and meet leading CIOs from other chapters. The topic is always leadership, and the goal is always to inspire CIOs to achieve their leadership potential. Find your chapter and join today at InspireCIO.com. Our Leadership Conversation features Chicago CIO member Dan Simpson, Global CIO of Grant Thornton International Limited, and Frank Bell, founder of Inspire CIO. Dan has held roles as CIO for 20 years in various organizations, including Physicians Mutual, Trustmark Companies, and DeLeo Group. In his current role as Global CIO for Grant Thornton International, Dan is leading the technology strategy to help enable collaboration across the network's 140 member firms in over 130 countries. As chairman of the Global Innovation Council, Dan is focused on cultivating and deploying innovative technologies into client solutions across the network. Please welcome Dan Simpson and Frank Bell. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Leadership Unscripted podcast. Uh, My guest today is Dan Simpson, who is the Global Chief Information Officer for Grant Thornton International. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Frank. Great to be here. Yeah. what is it like to be the global chief information officer for uh, such a sprawling international uh, enterprise? Uh, help us understand the, the size and scope of, of Grant Thornton and, uh, and what you're responsible for. Oh, sure. Well, Grant Thornton is comprised of about uh, 100, 143 member firms across the globe, uh, roughly 50,000 associates. And our business is audit, tax, and advisory services, professional services. And so, as you might imagine, a complex network of member firms who are all serving their clients within their markets. And our job, really, at the international level is to try and enable them to deliver their services more effectively to the clients. And we look for opportunities to leverage uh, capabilities and skills and technology investments across the uh, across the network. Well, it sounds like you have um, hundreds, if not more, uh, bosses. Yeah, there's uh, there's quite a few stakeholders, I guess, is how I'd frame that. Uh, but that's that's good. You know, there's lots of uh, opportunity to listen and learn. Uh, there's lots of opportunity to share and influence. And it's interesting how much we do have in common and uh, how there are uh, lots, of, uh, lots of energy towards driving better outcomes across markets. It does sound like a lot of opportunities because if everybody wants to uh, invent their own wheel, there's a lot of waste. So <laughs> I guess it's partly your team's responsibility to see that uh, one wheel invented in, in one business is shared across many businesses. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we have a pretty good understanding of the technology footprint uh, across the network, and there's certainly uh, our share of redundancy, as as you would expect. 
Um, but again, this, you know, from a risk perspective, from a cost savings perspective, from a leveraging, uh, you know, data analytics perspective, it, it really is a target rich environment. And there's lots, uh, probably the biggest challenge is prioritizing which opportunities to uh, focus on because uh, I, don't, I don't think we're going to run short of those in my career. Yeah, oh, I can see that. Well, let's let's back up a bit. So, uh, I think uh, uh, you graduated from college and and uh, became a teacher and yeah. a coach um, yep. before kind of wandering into IT. So, you know, what what possessed you to uh, to wander into uh, technology back uh, what thirty years ago? Yeah, well, I, my background's in science, so I have you know biology, chemistry, and psychology degrees, and so I've always been interested in how things work and problem solving and making things better. And uh, as I came out of okay. college, went into, went into teaching um, and coaching, as you mentioned, I really enjoyed that, but I wasn't fully satisfied that I was uh, reaching my potential. And I wasn't quite sure how to do that. Um, I was teaching at a college in Omaha, Nebraska, and one of my students uh, introduced me to uh, an executive at Sterling Software and a month or two later, I joined as a programmer and uh, worked my way up the ladder from there. And Sterling at the time uh, did a, a pretty good bit of business with uh, the Department of Defense. Yep. Yeah, I would say probably at least a quarter was uh, DOD related and the, and the rest was commercial. The nice thing about the Department of Defense from, from a young uh, professional kind of cutting their teeth in the IT world uh, was things were pretty cutting edge. DOD was really the cutting edge back back in the 80s and 90s. And so I, I gained a lot of perspective that I wouldn't have otherwise. So did you get all the security clearances? Yeah, I had a top secret SCI clearance at the time. Yep, sure did. Yep. Well, uh, tell us about uh, some of the things you worked on that you can tell us about. <laughs> well, we did a lot of very large scale projects. So, um, you know, you're talking 80s and 90s dollars, uh, 60, 80, 100 million dollar type projects that developed uh, communications systems, uh, information systems for Air Force, Navy, um, you know, various uh, components of the uh, of the military. So, you know, there may be a threat tracking system uh, in Europe. Uh, there may be a weather system that was run out of Air Force Global Weather in Omaha, uh, but these were all very large, cutting edge. This is the time when we were moving into distributed systems away from the mainframe. So, again, lots of opportunity and a, a place I was very thankful to spend uh, 10, 12 years. Yeah, you know what? One of the really interesting pivots uh, from my uh, career uh, experience was noticing that the morph in the mid '90s from the PC as a uh, communication, as a productivity tool, to becoming a communications device. Yeah, uh, and it wasn't just something to do spreadsheets on. It was something where you could send email, and, uh, mm -hmm. and then the emergence of the web and websites and brochureware, and then then actually some of the functionality and then commerce and all that. And the the dot com yep. boom happened. Um, what was going on in the in the Department of Defense, at, uh, it was Sterling Software at that time. What were your systems uh, doing? Um, well, we had uh, uh, 
again, we had mostly um, contract work uh, where we would, uh, you know, have a three or four year development effort, uh, integration, uh, testing, deployment operations. So not only did we develop the systems for, say, Air Force Global Weather, that uh, is the primary uh, source for weather uh, content for the military across the world. Uh, but we also operated their supercomputers, we operated their mainframes, and we helped them transform, as you mentioned, you know, into the web, web 1.0 world, you know, world uh, pre-Y2K, and then into, um, you know, 2000s when we started moving into services-oriented architecture, we started moving towards web 2.0, and uh, there was just a constant upgrade of technology and an appetite to be on the leading edge, which was, uh, you know, again, a great place to be. Yeah, that's a lot of fun when you're when someone's trying to invent something new using technology that, that perhaps hadn't been done before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and, you know, the nice thing about it, too, there was, um, you know, there was a culture at Sterling that I really uh, liked. It was the, you know, work hard, play hard. Uh, Kind of culture so you know you you'd go out you'd do your best if you ran into a brick wall they'd dust you off pick you up and <laughs> set you on the other side and say go get them you know and and so it wasn't a fear of failure or a, or a control kind of structure it was more of a, an enabling structure which uh, really helped uh, set my leadership style i think moving forward oh that's great well uh you know, your career is moving along uh, pretty well. And then all of a sudden, uh, Sterling is acquired by CA and uh, things change. Uh, and then uh, did you get recruited away by an insurance company? Uh, yeah, I, I consulted for a year. I did some, um, uh, you know, small market uh, manufacturing consulting, helped get some technology patented, bring some products to market. And then uh, Physicians Mutual, uh, which is a large insurer in Omaha, uh, Life Health Annuities, uh, recruited me to join and uh, became their first real CIO. They had, they had had technology leaders in the past, but they were more at the department level. Yeah. Um, there, there seemed to be a pretty big opportunity there. I don't think they were a leader in technology at the time that uh, you yeah. Well, insurance has historically been been behind, but they, they were early adopters of mainframe technology. And obviously insurance is a, uh, you know, it's a non-physical product, right? It's, it's, uh, it's a promise. And that promise is represented in words and data and information. And so lots of systems work uh, were created to not only define policies, but service the customers pay claims, et cetera. Um, and when I walked in the, uh, not uncommon, uh, you know, in the industry and certainly not, not unique for Positions Mutual, but we had 35, 40 year old mainframe systems and the time it took to get a product to market could be six months to a year just because of the technology limitations, the data complexity and those kinds of things. So. Again, another opportunity-rich environment, and uh, we took a look at that. We uh, shored up some of the foundation. I always think you have to start there. You've got to make sure you've got your cyber program in place, and uh, we started one of the very first uh, information security programs at the time, back in the mid-90s oh. there at Physicians Mutual. 
Um, and then uh, we made sure our operations were running well. And then we sat back, uh, kind of went to the whiteboard, met with some smart technical guys, and we figured out a way to do what we called a, a greenfield program, which was a business transformation. Uh, we started with the core business processes around the customer. We developed a, a services-oriented architecture. And over a period of seven or eight years, uh, we essentially replaced the, the legacy systems with all new distributed computing and new business processes. So it was quite a journey. What an incredible opportunity to, uh, to lead a transformation, you know, before people called it a transformation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, even know if we used that word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so how did you win the support of the CEO and or the board um, to make such a, you know, investment? Uh, I think you said it was $100 million. Yeah, um, it, it, it approached that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think it was uh, really just listening uh, to the pulse of the organization and uh, observing and meeting with people. I spent 14 months uh, meeting with all the, you know, the senior leaders, the uh, key stakeholders, the department executives, the subject matter experts. And, you know, themes emerged that were very common. And, and one of the primary frustrations was the ability to get products to market. And there were lots of ideas coming from, you know, various elements of the business on how to go about doing that. And, and so rather than, you know, evaluate or criticize those, I would ask questions about, well, you know, is that, is that going to allow you to engage the customer differently or is this just a technology play? And then, you know, then the conversation would turn towards, oh, no, 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 the customer's first, we need to. And so it, it was kind of a mutual learning process where I initiated the conversations, I, uh, I and my team listened, and then we'd get back together and then we'd come back with some ideas and say, well, what if we could do this? And you know, what if we could do that? And would you be interested? And so anyway, 14 months later, I was at the board and um, uh, we uh, had spent, you know, probably three months preparing uh, a proposal with the financials behind it. And uh, they asked lots of good questions, but they were really excited to uh, be part of a transition into the next uh, phase of their business. They didn't really look at it as a technology play. It was a business transformation and it generated a lot of energy and excitement across the company. Right. And then once you understand what the, uh, the business executives want and what the board wants, that if technology is the way to, to get there, then it's, it's uh, much easier to get a yes if you're focused with the end in mind, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's so good. Well, uh, once that work is done, then uh, I think that well equipped you for your for your next role. Yeah, I um, I, I had uh, reached a point uh, during towards the end of the last couple of years of the uh, Greenfield program uh, where you know, frankly, I was getting a little bored. Honestly, I I, I noticed my my uh, at arrival at the office was a little bit later, and my departure was a little bit earlier, and. Um, I, I wasn't really sure what was next. Uh, I got a phone call um, from a recruiter and uh, one thing led to another and I joined uh, Trustmark Companies in Lake Forest, Illinois. Uh, they, were, they were a little more 
complex uh, business-wise in terms of having uh, four different businesses, but all four were relatively small. So the idea was we need to do an enterprise transformation uh, to integrate and service our customers more effectively. Um, and, and really the first phase of that was the technology transformation. And so that's why they asked me to join. And uh, over, over a period of about six, seven years, we were able to retire the mainframe. We were able to um, you know, deploy new technologies, build a technology roadmap, establish the cybersecurity uh, program in a highly regulated environment. So we had our hands full, uh, but uh, again, a very uh, good opportunity and a good organization to learn and grow and deliver value. Oh, that's great. Well, it's, it's, it's nice to have, uh, having done that once before and kind of knowing what worked and having a roadmap uh, yeah. to be a, yeah. have the opportunity to do it again. So that's pretty special. Um, and then you, you back to consulting or so for a year before Grant Thornton. So what's it been yeah. like to, uh, to, to be at Grant Thornton? Uh, it's been great. It's, uh, you know, uh, pr previously I'd been in corporate environments and Grant Thornton is a collection of member firms and at Grant Thornton International, we're like the, the loosely held center, if you will. So you, you can't get things done by mandate or control mechanisms. Uh, you know, you can't just because of position, that doesn't mean that people are going to follow. So it really took my uh, leadership uh, challenge to the next level in terms of leading through influence, uh, you know, finding ways to inspire, to enable, to encourage, to coach, to guide uh, yeah. in different ways. Let and me show I, you what would happen yeah. if. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of a that kind of a conversation, and I really, you know, I don't know if it goes back to my academic background or what, but I really like not not academic for academic sake, but exploring ideas and uh, weighing options and considering, you know, uh, what is the best way. And and just because a you know an IT guy looks at something and says, well, this is the best way to do it. That doesn't translate into that being the best way for a small member firm in Europe or a large member firm, you know, like the US or the UK, or even, you know, very small member firms like Thailand, right? They all have unique challenges, resource challenges, limitations, different markets. So it's a complex problem. And the key is to not try and boil the ocean, find the biggest needs, uh, get alignment with the stakeholders, and then put a good solid plan together. And then finally, it's all about delivery. Um, without delivery, you know, the words and the ideas and all of that uh, kind of fall short. Well, we first met, I think, about four years ago at a dinner uh, in Chicago, talking about Chicago CIO. Yeah. And um, maybe most people don't know that you are not just a founding member of Chicago CIO, but I think you were the first person in the pool. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To join the chapter and say, "Hey, this this looks good." So, first, I'm curious what what caught your attention about uh, you know when we're casting a vision for chapter number you know three or something um, in Chicago uh, after uh, Georgia and Boston um, that you know there's a lot of people that say they can do something like this, but there was something apparently that that we said or did that 
that you picked up on that said, yeah, this might be different. Uh, yeah. What was it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, well, you know, in, in, in jest a little bit, I always wanted to be a founder and it didn't work out with Apple or Tesla. So I figured Inspire CIO, Chicago CIO was the next best thing. So nice. that's the direction. No, seriously, um, as you know, Frank, uh, uh, CIOs, IT leaders across, you know, the world uh, have high demands on their time. And there's lots of people reaching out wanting to start, you know, this committee or be part of this group or, you know, get CIOs together. And a few of those, you know, are, are worthwhile, but a lot of them are just vendor plays and, and are, you know, just basically, you know, we'll, we'll take you out to dinner. Uh, you, you let us in, in, in your office and we'll do business together. And that, that, that cycle is, is, can be quite exhausting. When I met with with you, uh, Frank, uh, and your team, uh, Lisa LaRoque, I, um, I I just I just felt a genuineness, uh, uh, an integrity, and an intention that was uh, aligned with what's good for the CIO, um, and and so there was just a, a belief there that you guys were bringing something different. And you had a track record as well. I mean, this wasn't Chicago; wasn't your first first uh, initiative. So you were bringing uh, learnings, you were bringing know-how, and uh, I also felt like Chicago, in, in some ways, was a bit underserved in that regard, uh, based on some of the other groups I had participated in. You know, our, our belief is that as you move up the uh, corporate ladder, that it's easier and easier to become isolated. Uh, and that isolation is not necessarily healthy. You know, you can uh, be earning a great salary and be, you know, surrounded by a great team and maybe even succeeding uh, in your job. But yet, um, you know, being connected and helping others and both from a mentoring standpoint or being mentored, depending on the place you are in your career, what we call rich in relationship is a good place. It not only uh, is, is good for the leaders involved, but uh, the organizations involved really are the beneficiaries because, you know, real time you can hear about something that someone in the community who's a peer who's, you know, kind of wrestling with the same uh, challenges and, uh, uh, and struggles that, uh, that you are, uh, has solved a problem yesterday and you're hearing about it today and, you know, you have a chance to do something about it uh, tonight or tomorrow. So yeah. Uh, yeah. that is a that's incredible that speed to to market and you know I've been encouraged by uh, you know hearing Roger Bannister's story from 1954 uh, when he um, broke the four minute mile and mm. for you know uh, for hundreds of years people thought that was not possible to to run a sub four minute mile and then within a year of him breaking that record. 30 some people uh, also did that. And I think that's the, the idea that when you see someone do something, you realize like, well, I could do that. There's no reason yeah. we can't figure out a way to do that. If somebody yeah. else is doing that. And every time you know, we bring a, a room full of CIOs together for a member-led non-commercial program, uh, even though the CIO hosting the program might be talking about um, a, a business that's completely different than mine, uh, mm -hmm. the leadership techniques that are sort of on display there that are maybe not even, they're just sort of 
in the presentation, but the presentation isn't about their leadership. It's about some technology or about some change or about something that they accomplished. You start to yeah. hear things like, oh yeah, I like the way they're explaining that. Oh yeah, I could, I could, I could take that to my board or, you know, you might be in more tactical mode where, you know, you, some system or some uh, vendor is, is uh, giving you some challenges and you don't know how to work around that obstacle. And then you hear somebody else has overcome that challenge uh, yep. And it's very practical, you know, implement it tomorrow kind of, hey, we need to reset this or we need to get my team needs to get together with their team and uh, and solve problems. So have you had any of those moments over the course of your um, experience uh, as a Chicago CI member where you've, um, you know, you, you can think of something that really just made a meaningful difference for your organization? Yeah, you, you know, I think I've had several. And, and first, I would say um, the relationships that uh, have been established through Chicago CIO have probably been the most rewarding and and beneficial uh, for me as the program. I, you know, I, I still have friends who I've developed through Chicago CIO, and I, I believe several of them will be lifelong friends. So, you know, that that kind of connection and trust uh, is is really important. Um, I can think of a couple examples, Frank, where uh, on the security side, where there were, you know, highly regulated companies, not in, in, in my industry per se, but still dealing with the same challenges. And as we were approaching some of our, you know, uh, cybersecurity uh, implementations, I think we were a little rigid, uh, perhaps a little uh, too scientific in our approach. And one of the things I learned from uh, some of the members there was uh, the risk-based approach that, you know, every business is different. Every board's tolerance for risk can vary. And there is no one size fit, fits all solution for cybersecurity. So, you know, having those conversations over dinner, having those conversations, you know, the next day when you had made a connection and then connecting their people with your security leaders really paid off uh, in terms of uh, our ability to deliver differently and, and more quickly and, and likely save some failures that, uh, you know, didn't have to experience. So that's uh, always a good thing. It's great to be able to learn uh, as much about what not to do uh, as what to do uh, many yeah. times because uh, yeah. striking one of those ways off, what was it? Thomas Edison, you know, a thousand attempts at making a light bulb works, you know, I think yeah. along the way he said, well, we discovered another way that won't work. Uh, <laughs> so eventually yeah. you get it right, but uh, that persistence yeah. pays off. That's so right. That's so cool. Well, Dan, um, thank you for your time today. It's great cool. to, uh, to have this conversation uh, with you and, um, and feature you on Leadership Unscripted. Um, thanks for your, your friendship, for your membership in uh, Chicago CIO grateful for um, all that you're doing for Grant Thornton and leading so well there in the Chicagoland community. Well, thank you, Frank. I, I appreciate all you've done, your leadership and the, the kind of value that Inspire CIO has brought to Chicago and uh, glad to be here today. Have a, have a wonderful holiday. Terrific. You too. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today for Leadership Unscripted, the place where Inspire CIO members convene, collaborate, and meet other CIOs facing similar challenges. Having a network of trusted relationships provides leadership advantage that can move mountains. Participating in spontaneous CIO member-led table conversations, the unscripted part, 
is what makes Leadership Unscripted unique. The answer is in the room. Are you? Attending Leadership Unscripted is an exclusive benefit for Inspire CIO members or member-invited guests. Find your local chapter at InspireCIO.com where you can join or connect with a member who can invite you to a future program. The Orbi Podcast is another way to meet leading CIOs. Just search O-R-B-I-E to find it in your favorite podcast app. Well, that's all we have for today. Until next time, meet me at Leadership Unscripted.